Hallelujah. You're willing to do that tonight? To run wherever it is that he's leading you to? To go wherever he's taking you? Because I promise you, if you'll do that, it's going to be okay. If you'll go where he's taking you tonight, it's going to be okay. I can promise you that. Amen. Can we? Let's talk to him right now. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we're humbled in your presence. Lord, we're humbled to have the opportunity to speak, Lord, to a portion of the purchase of your blood tonight, Father. Lord, knowing that every soul here is worth 10,000 worlds, Lord. Lord, and just for a moment, they're going to sit and listen to words, Lord. And I just pray it not be the words of a man, Lord, but I pray that you would take complete control of this vessel. And Lord, that you would draw, Lord, the words that they would have need of, Lord, and that you would speak and that you would anoint, Lord, for it's the anointing that will break every chain. Lord, I'm asking that you not only anoint my lips, but anoint every heart to receive, Lord. May the word fall on good ground tonight, Father. Lord, I'm asking that you'll move me out of the way, that you'll calm my nerves, Lord. You see where I'm at. But Lord, I'm not trusting in myself. I'm looking to an unfailing and eternal God. Lord, and we know that this is a predestinated moment, Lord, that we're stepping into. Lord, and I just pray that we'll step in and play our part well tonight, Father, each one. Take control now. Bless the word, I pray. And just have your way in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you tonight, and you'll turn with me to the book of Revelation, the third chapter. We'll read some there out of Revelation 3 and also out of Revelation 10. And as you're turning, I just want to say what an honor it is uh, to be with you again. I was, I was uh, talking to Brother Andrew earlier and just reminding him that the very first time I ever preached anywhere outside my home church was right here. So this church, this congregation has a special place in my heart and even far beyond that. You know, there's, there's certain people that God puts in your life on this journey and we have, we have friends, we have dear friends, then we have those friends that are really more than that, they're family. And we, we feel that way not only about the Spencer family, but, but about this church and this congregation. Y'all have always been a, like a sister church to us. And so y'all are family to us. We love and appreciate you. We're thankful for your stand, for what's right. Thankful for your stand on the message of the hour. Amen. So I just pray that God will come down tonight and have his way as we fellowship around his word. And I pray that, that each one of us can be encouraged tonight in his presence. Amen. So God bless you. We're going to look now in, in Revelation 3 and, and 14. We're going to read one verse, then we're going to read verse 21 as well. It says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Skipping down now to verse 21. To him that overcometh. Do you see yourself right there in that scripture tonight? Amen. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. Amen. If you will now turn with me over to Revelation 10, 7, verses that we should be very familiar with. I'm going to read down through verse 11. It says, but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up, and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it, 
ate it up, and it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. Amen. I pray that God will add his blessing to the word as you have your seats. Wonderful words of life. Prophetic words. As we get into this tonight, what I'd like to speak to you on for a little bit is the final say in the final voice. The final say in the final voice. It's very important for us as Christians, it's very important that we recognize the supreme authority of God in and over every situation. Every situation that you may face, everything that you're going to come up against, understand that God is in total and complete control. There is only one who has the final say. There is only one who has the final say, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Our opening scripture there described him as the amen, the faithful, and the true witness. Amen. This is somebody that, that can be counted on. It's somebody that you can put your hopes and dreams in. It's somebody you can rest your very soul with. He is the amen. He's true, and he's faithful. The prophet of God would say, I looked up in the dictionary, Webster's. According to Webster's, it's perfect in itself, unlimited in its power, primarily an ultimate. And an ultimate is the amen. That's all an absolute. It's the unlimited in power. The word absolute, it's perfect in itself. That's all of it. That settles it. An absolute, it's used many times, it's the last word, it's the amen. You hear people say, absolutely, that's all. That's the last thing, it's unlimited, see. That takes it from here on. There's nothing else in its way. It's the amen, that's all. That's what he is, the amen, see. He's got the last word to say. So I want to tell you tonight that no matter what's going on in your life, there's one that holds it all. There's one who has the final say. You can look to him. You can trust in his word. It is the final say in your life tonight. He is the amen. Aren't you glad tonight that he is the amen? Aren't you glad tonight that he has the final say? My opinion of you tonight is not the final say. The doctor's report tonight is not the final say. What you've been going through and the things the devil has poured out on you and the things he's saying is definitely not the final say. But there's one that said, I have washed you. I have given you the Holy Ghost. I'll give you a rapture. I have gone to prepare a place. That's the final say. That's all that matters. That's where I'm looking tonight. He is the final say in our life tonight church hallelujah he is the final say the plans that the enemy has made for you and has been telling you for years and telling you you're gonna fall and telling you you're not gonna make it is not the final say but the I am God the one who blew the galaxies off his hands the one who created everything the one who made the very body you're in he says I'm in control of it I have the final say over it and I'm gonna take care of my word he has the final say in your life. He is omnipotent. He is the amen. That means that not only does he have the final say, Brother Andrew, he is the final say. It's not just that he's in control of it. That is what he is. That's how we can trust. It's important sometimes with our emotions and when we, when we get down and we look and we say how and we say why and 
And, and, and God, how did, did the devil get away with this? How, how did he do that? And we begin to ponder within ourselves. And, and, and that's how, though, in these situations we can trust. We can fully trust him when things happen that we can't understand. It would be so hard to deal with things. It would be so hard to trust and understand if every time our life got turned upside down or every time we lost a loved one or every time things just went total opposite from the way we thought it should have went that we felt like it was the devil that had had the final say. If we felt like, oh my goodness, he, the devil did this. The devil, no, that's not how it works though. He had no say in it whatsoever. It was not the devil that had the final say. My God had the final say. There was no victory for the enemy. There was no victory for Satan. God had the final say in the situation, even if you can't understand how it turned out. He was in control. He had the final say. The enemy did not get a victory. There was no victory for the enemy. We can rest knowing tonight that he had the final say. There was no defeat in our life. God's hand was in it because the devil does not have a say in our lives. Listen, it's not a democracy. The devil don't get a vote. He has no say in how this thing's going to turn out. He has no say in whether or not you make it. Your name was written on the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. So the first say is the final say. The first thing it said is the end of it all. You're going to make it. He don't get a vote. He don't get a say. Hallelujah. Oh, this is a monarchy. It's one king, one voice. He said you're going to make it. You're going to make it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The final say. The plan of God is never defeated. Stormy skies. Rough waters, dark trials, they are not signs of sin in your life or God's disapproval in your life. Get that out of your head. Or that Satan's gaining victory over you because things ain't going exactly right. Maybe you're being molded. Maybe tested and tried. But God's purpose will be fulfilled in it, whatever it is. What we have to learn how to do, and it's difficult sometimes, is to find the purpose in the trial. Find the purpose in the trial and recognizing that it's working together for your good. Now here's the reason so many of us, myself included for years, couldn't understand that scripture. Because you look at that, all things work together for good, and you just can't make some things be good no matter how you look at it. I don't care what you say, that ain't good. The problem is, we're basing it off of what's good for us here. What's good for this. What's good for my bank account, what's good for my physical health. What's but he ain't worried about that so much. When he says it works together for your good, he means your eternal good. What's it going to take to get you there? What's it going to take to get you eternal life? And all things you go through are working together for the good of that. It is working together in accordance to that plan. And for your eternal good. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Thoughts here means plans. 
If you look it up, the thoughts means I know the plans that I have for you. I've already planned it out. I know exactly what's going to happen. Yes, and it may not seem good, but it's working to an expected end. You're going through these things, but it's going to get you right here where I need you to be. Satan has plans. We see them all through the Bible. Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. That's his plans. But I have prayed for you. He has plans, and throughout the scripture, we constantly see them time and time again thwarted because our God is the, is the amen. He's the one that has the final say. So, so whenever his word is spoken, it will not return unto him void. No matter what it has to go through, no matter what a situation rises, we see in the very beginning, Satan begins making plans that he's going to be exalted and he's going to be worshipped. And he begins to make all these big, grand, glorious plans and even though it would seem there was some level of success, he's then cast out of heaven. And his plan doesn't work in heaven the way he thought. So he comes down to earth and we see him in the garden doing what? Making plans. He's making plans and he's trying to find his way back in. Trying to find his way back into a position of authority, into your position. And he wants to take that and he's working and he brings deception and he has a plan to regain power and, and cause man to fall. And he brings a twisted version of the word. Understand, it was still a version of the word. The most dangerous things aren't just bald-faced lies. They're things that have a version of the word mixed in with them. And he brings a twisted version of the word and he changes one little word. Let me tell you something. Every single word of this matters every little part matters we got to get to the place where we quit looking at this as maybe not so as important as this and this doesn't matter as much as this if it's in the word it matters if the prophet of God spoke it it matters we can't just look at it well maybe that was his opinion and maybe this and maybe that listen if it's on the message if it's in the Bible it matters tonight Right, it's, it's very important. Oh, well, that's a little old-fashioned, and maybe that's his opinion. Well, okay, let's just entertain that for a minute. Maybe it was, but I'll take the opinion of someone who spent so much time in the presence of the angel versus your opinion. Where is your vindication? When has God spoke through you? When have the dead been raised in your ministry? But he brings deception by twisting one little part and he causes Adam's bride to fall. And then we know that Adam fell with her, not deceived, but he willingly goes. And the whole earth under Adam falls and, and Satan believes, I've won. He begins to feel like he's won. And, and now sin and death are going to reign in mortal bodies. But right here in this moment, we learn something very important. We serve a determined God. We serve a God who ain't going to give up on his plan. He's not going to give up on this bride. And no matter what the devil's telling you, he is not going to give up on you. He is not giving up on you. It doesn't matter what he has to do. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. Our God is still fighting for you. And the devil is telling you things that are absolute lies. My God has the final say in your life. My God has the final say in your life. And he's not giving up on you. He is determined that he will have victory in your life. Satan thinks he's won. And we learn in, in that moment, in, in earth, the worst moment of earth's history, as it were, 
Right there, love projects. You know, that's one thing that the devil can't never understand. He can't never figure it out. He don't understand. He ruins your life. He puts smut over your life. He puts sin in your life. He caused you to do things you're ashamed of, things you're embarrassed of, things you would never tell. And he thinks, I got them now. Oh, he can't have them now. I've covered them up. But he just can't understand. L-O-V-E. It doesn't matter what he does to you. You're God's child. You're God's son. You're God's daughter. And he loves you. And he'll come searching for you. And he'll fight for you. It don't matter where you're at tonight. He says, I love you. I love you. I died for you. I'm calling you. Satan just can't wrap his mind around it. He can't do it. God says, that's my child. I love them. Hallelujah. He loves you tonight. In that moment, love projects and a Savior is promised. Brother William even mentioned this in his prayer. And when God says something, it's an absolute. Brother Brown says there in the garden that morning when sin was so black. Jehovah come in. There stood his couple standing condemned. There would be no more human race. They had to die. Death on the human race. Give the world back to the wild beast. There'd be no human race. But in the darkest hour, in that time when all hopes was gone, grace come pouring through. Said, I'll give you a savior, a Messiah. Oh, it's a wonder how God could ever do it. God's amazing grace in the Garden of Eden that give them the promise of a just one who could come through the woman. The woman's seed shall bruise the serpent's head, the guilty one. And his head shall bruise her heel to show there had been an affliction to the church. But he promised a triumph. What provided a savior? Grace. He goes on to say in Revelation 21, 3 and 4, the tabernacle of God is with man. God has tabernacled in man by redeeming him by these three processes. Now God is going to redeem the earth and the tabernacle in the earth with his subjects of the earth, which he brought forth from the earth and through sin it fell, but he had to let it go on. But now he sent Jesus to redeem that fallen earth, which we are a part of. They're not one hair of your head will perish. Jesus said so. He said, I'll raise it up again at the last day. See why you're part of the earth. The germ of God, the life of God was designed in the womb of a woman, which was the earth. All right. And then the life of God came in. So he was the beginning of the creation of God. See, and then that blood of God that was there by that germ when it was shed at Calvary dropped back upon the earth. What for? To redeem the earth. Now it's been justified. It's been sanctified, called and claimed. And now it's to receive its baptism of fire and be cleansed for Jesus and his bride. When Satan fell, he not only wanted to destroy you, he wanted to destroy every part of God's creation. He wanted a destruction of the earth, but God was so determined. He said, I'm even going to redeem the dust that I've called my people out of. I'm going to redeem every last part of it. Hallelujah. We got to get it out of our minds tonight that Satan has a say. God is in absolute control of everything. His word is absolute, and he is limitless in his power. He is limitless. Now, this is important to know because Satan does have power. Satan has power. But his power is a limited power 
whereas the power of our God is limitless. What limits the power of the devil? What limits him? You can limit the power of the devil by the power of the Holy Ghost in your life, by taking the word upon your lips and putting the devil in his place, by not giving ear to the word that he speaks to you, by not putting that word that he speaks on your lips. Quit giving a voice to the devil. Oh, he can talk in your ear all he wants, but don't repeat anything he says. Don't give him a voice. Don't speak his word. I got a word you can speak. If you got something you need to say tonight, by his stripes I'm healed. Hallelujah to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. Oh, the promises unto them and unto their children, unto as many as the Lord our God shall call. There's something to repeat. There's something to put on your lips. You can limit the power of the enemy. He only has whatever power you relinquish to him. Whatever you give to him, his only voice is when you speak what he tells you. He has power to whip up a storm. You have the power to say, peace be still. When God says stop, he has to stop. When he's told that's far enough, he can't take another step. Look, it's time you tell him tonight. It's time you let him know tonight. It's time you take the word of God upon your lips. You say, devil, you ain't taking another step in my life. You ain't taking another step in my marriage. You ain't taking another step in my home. You can't have my health. You can't have my children. You can't have my praise. You, I'm taking it back tonight. You've gone as far as you're going to go in my life. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to overcome. I'm taking another step tonight. Oh, you've gone far enough. You're not going to tear up the church. You're not going to come in and cause strife. You're not going to come in and cause division amongst the brothers. You've gone far enough. Furthermore, I will not be a tool to cause division. I will not be a tool to cause strife. No, but I will be one that comes in unity of the Holy Ghost to press towards the mark of the high calling. Hallelujah. I will be used by the Holy Ghost is who I will be used by. It's time some of us say, peace be still. You've gone far enough. You will not rob my joy. You will not rob my peace. You're not going to, look, some of us let him have our praise way too long. He deserves your praise. Matter of fact, he deserves more praise than you could ever give him. So he sure at least deserves that much. Too many of us, whew, oh, when I get the victory, you ain't never seen a dance like that. When I get the victory, I'm going to shout all over the place. The thing is, sometimes we forget our victory's on the other side of the praise. Sometimes the dance is on the other side of the Red Sea. I'm just going to walk on out. I'm going to go ahead and give him some praise. I'm going to go ahead and shout. I'm going to go ahead and bless his name. There you go. Take your praise back. Take your joy back. Take your shout back. We have a right to praise him. We have a right to rejoice. Hallelujah. Take your praise back tonight. Woo! God's going to get my praise. Hallelujah. We got too many people who want to sit down until their favorite song comes on. 
or their favorite singer sings. Or too worried about the sound ain't right tonight or the air is too cold. Why are we here? Why are we here? Oh, we're here to worship. We're here to praise. We're here to lift up the name above all names. He deserves it. Let me tell you what, if you'll ever enter in enough, you won't notice that. You won't notice those around you. You won't worry what they're doing. You won't care who's on key, off key, wherever they are. I'm here to praise the lovely name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, hey, we here. We see so much because we ain't doing nothing. We recognize everything that's going on because we're busy doing nothing. Oh, but then, but then all of a sudden, oh, I like that song. No. I'm just going to tell you, I, I said it at home. I said, some of y'all, if people say, where do you worship at? You couldn't tell them Evening Light Tabernacle. You'd be lying. That might be where you go to church, but I don't know where you worship. Oh, I know. I'm preaching in a place that knows how to worship. I know. I know. I'm just saying, hey, don't be ashamed of your worship. Don't be ashamed of your worship. Every now and then you just need to let the devil know, I'm still here. You told me I wasn't going to make it. You told me I was going to fall. You told me I wasn't going to overcome. Devil! I'm still here. I'm still standing. I'm still fighting. I'm going all the way. I can't stop. I won't stop. There's something on the inside of me. It won't let me stop. It won't let me turn around. Hallelujah. Still here. Still fighting. Glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know circumstances of life is hard. I know. This is a God that defies circumstances. He's a God that defies symptoms. You may be in a bad spot tonight. You may have had a rough patch. I've been there, man. That's the things. I don't like it when people try to tell you, oh, just grab your bootstrap, pull you. It's going to be okay. No. Life is hard. Your trials are real. We got a real adversary. It's a real battle. It's war. It ain't no joke. It ain't no joke. But we serve the mighty conqueror whose attributes he has passed down to you, which makes you a mighty conqueror. So in this battle you're in, let me tell you once again, you're going to win it. You're going to overcome it. We will see miracles. We will see giants fall. We will walk on water. Whatever your situation is in, just look back to him. Get your eyes off the wind. Get your eyes off the waves and walk towards Jesus tonight. Because he is the final say. Look, I don't care how long you've been in that sick condition. I don't care how long you've been holding on to that bitterness. How long you've been holding on to that unforgiveness, letting things swell up and fester up on the inside of you. You can let it go tonight. You can walk past it tonight. You can overcome those things tonight. Look, my God shows up and things change. It don't matter how long you've been in that lost situation. It didn't matter if Lazarus had been dead four days. He didn't say, I wish I'd have been here. He didn't say, if I'd have been here, things would have been different. He said, 
Where'd you lay him? Where'd you lay him at tonight? Where'd you lay your hopes? Where'd you lay your dreams? Where'd you lay your peace at tonight? Where'd you lay it at? Where'd you lay the ones you've given up on? Where'd you lay your children at tonight? Where are they at? Because he's still rolling stones away tonight. He'll show up in your situation. Where'd you lay it at tonight? Oh, he's here tonight to do the work. He's here tonight to meet your need. Where have you laid all those things? Where's your joy buried at? Look, I know, man, life's real. Things come in your childhood. People did you wrong in church. You got scars from maybe things you don't even want to talk about. That's real stuff, man. People scarred you. People did you wrong. And so in the course of all that, you begin to believe the lie that says you ain't, very mu- you ain't worth very much. You ain't going to make it. You ain't worth nothing. Then those lies become your grave clothes. And you get wrapped all up in those lies and wrapped up in those complexes. Let me tell you what, sometimes if we hold on to the truth the way we hold on to a complex, we'd be all right. We'd be some free people tonight. But we let complexes ruin our lives and ruin our families and create cycles and we view everything through a complex. We view what the preacher says through a complex. We view what our neighbor says through a complex and we can't rightly divide nothing anymore because you're looking at the world through a lie. And these things become grave clothes and then you get put in the grave and the enemy rolls a stone over the entrance of everything God intended you to be. I'm saying tonight, roll the stone away. I say roll the stone away. Let's push the stone away. Hey, let me tell you something. Jesus didn't even roll the stone away. He had some sisters go roll the stone away. Some of us need to come with the attitude that tonight it may not be me wrapped up in grave clothes, but I'm going to push some stones away. I'm going to put my shoulder in there. I'm going to worship. I'm going to praise. I'm going to create an atmosphere where people can be set free, where the lost can be loose. Loose them and set them free tonight. Hallelujah. Push the stone away. Glory. The final say. I say the devil's had enough say in your life tonight. We've let him have enough. God had promised a redeemer. He had promised a savior. And here he was, standing there at the tomb of Lazarus some 4,000 years later. The manifestation of every Old Testament prophecy. Standing there in the flesh. Here he was. God with skin on him. Doing the works of God, but in humanity. The second Adam. He is the God of the amen. He never changes. What he does never changes. He says it and it stands fast. He does it and it is done forever. None can take from what he says or add to it. So let it be. So let it be. Aren't you glad that you serve that kind of God? You can know exactly where you are with him at any time and all the time. He is the amen God and won't change. These things saith the amen. I like that. It means that whatever he said is final. It means that whatever he said to the first age and to the second and to all the ages about his own true church and about the false vine is exactly right and it won't change. 
It means that what he started out with in Genesis, he will finish in Revelation. He has to, for he is the amen. So let it be. We saw right there that he began to plan for redemption there in Genesis. And then now through time, every story and every type, every life lived is building towards the manifestation of a redeemer. Prophecies of his coming, types and shadows looking forward. A spoken word, son of God born of a virgin. One who would restore, one who would heal the sick, one who would wipe away the curse, who can make the blind see and the deaf hear. And here he stands, standing right there in their midst, the full manifestation of all the word, of all of it, doing exactly what the word said he would do. And the entire time from Genesis all the way down to this moment, Satan trying to stop it at every turn. Watching, trying to figure out, wait, this one here and that one there. And so he have this one kill this one and, well, he must have missed something because it's still moving on here. And then he goes here and he tries to stop it, but God's raising up something over here. And he's always one step ahead because, see, our God is the final say. He's the amen. He knows the beginning from the end. But Satan has to react to what he sees going on. He has to react to it. So he's got you down and, and he feels like he's got you snuffed out. And all of a sudden, one Sunday morning, you wake up and you're going to church. And he's going, wait, what's going on here? We, we got to put a stop to this here because I thought I had him here, but something moved here in, the, in his bedroom during the night. I don't, and all of a sudden, before he knows it, you're down at the altar weeping your way to Calvary. He tried to stop it. He tried to snuff it out. He tried to get this one. He tried to bring complexes, and he tried to bring revival and death and sin and curse. But somebody is going to be a cycle breaker. And before he knew it, there you were breaking the cycles of your family, of your daddy, of your granddaddy, overcoming because he didn't see it coming. He thought for sure he had you covered up. And you can see it all down through the Old Testament. No matter what he tried. Always trying to stop what God's doing no matter what he did. And the thing is, no matter what he did, he never realized it. But he was always playing right into the hand of God. Amen. Whole time. You can see that with, with, with the Jews in, in Nazi Germany. The whole time putting them back in their homeland. You see it at Calvary. He would have never let that blood strike the earth. He would have never let him have those stripes if he didn't know you'd have been healed from it. He'd have never let him shed that blood if he'd have known it was going to wash you from sin's curse. He'd have never let it happen, especially knowing that once he died and rose again, he was going to send back the Holy Ghost. And instead of one Jesus, there's going to be thousands of them he had to deal with. They was going to be all over the place, and every time he turned around, there's one, there's one. There's some in Virginia, there's some in Louisiana, there's some in Tennessee. Everywhere I go, there's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. How do you know it's Jesus? Because he's doing the same things he did on the shores of Galilee. Every time he shows up, I'm cast out. Everywhere he shows up, the sick are healed, the deaf hear, and the blind see. It's Jesus. He would have never let it happen. But the plan of God could not be stopped. Because his plan is the final say. And so many times, well, am I, I going to make it? As the devil told me, or the devil saying, oh, and he's in my ear and I'm not going to make Your name is already written down before the foundation of the world. Listen, he can do what he wants to do. He can't stop it. He ain't got enough. He ain't got enough. He's released 200 million, million, whatever number that is, demons from the river Euphrates, and it ain't enough. 
He can't stop you. He can't stop your family. He can't stop this bride. I'm telling you, you will make it. You've already made it. You are the spoken word bride of Jesus Christ standing on your feet. Think about that. This message spoke you into existence. You are here because a message went forth and it created what I'm looking at tonight. A people restored back to the original with the original power, just like in the book of Acts. He can no more stop you than he stopped Jesus. He couldn't stop the true church born in the upper room. He tried to stomp it out with persecutions. Tried to cover it up with false doctrines. Tried to make the church cold and formal. Say, oh, just believe and you got it. Tried to stomp out the real fire. And what he did is he began to eat the leaves off the tree. But the amen had already said, I will restore. Before he ever took one leaf off the tree, the amen said, I'm going to restore the tree. Because he's always ahead. He always has the final say. The amen had already spoke. Behold, I send unto you Elijah the prophet. Out comes William Brown. Out goes a message. And out from that message comes you. Standing here in the last day. It's incredible when you begin to look through the scripture and you can see. And you see these people. And, and, and many times it's stories. And it's, oh, I see that one. And, and they live this life. And I see now how that event ties into this event. Because there was a prophecy that said that. And then I see this. And all of a sudden you're reading along and you go, that's me. That's me. What was all this about? It was about me. It was about you and you and you and you and you. It was all about me. It was all about a bride. It was all about one that would match him on the earth once again in this final day. I'm in there. I'm in the word, which means I'm in the plan. Which means I can't be stopped. Which means everything he promised about me will come to pass. I will not be stopped and I will not be hindered. But what started in Genesis is still marching right on. The full plan of redemption. The plan that I will have a bride without spot or wrinkle. I will have it. Yeah. And the thing is, I didn't say it. I say it all the time, but I mean it. I look at myself and I look at my life and I go, I alone would mess that scripture up. I got plenty of spots. I got plenty of wrinkles. But there's blood. And there's a plan. And there's a word spoken that I don't have to bring that word to pass. He does. So I can just trust and say, that's the final say. He's the one that said it. It has to come to pass. One thing after another pointing that we have a determined God. Determined that I will have a bride that will not fall. And yet an enemy determined, I'm going to stop this. I'm going to stop this. Confident that just like in the garden, he can make this bride fall. So confident. And yet, my God was so confident that he said, I go to prepare a place for you. You think he's worried about whether or not you're going to show up? He's already went to prepare a place. He's already went to prepare a place for you. He's so confident that you're coming, that his plan's going to work, that you are going to reach full manifestation of everything he thought of you before the foundation of the world. Brother Brown says, now for nearly 2,000 years, God has been again making him a masterpiece. 
because he struck Adam to get a masterpiece off of him, part of a rib, a rib to make a wife for him. And now that perfect masterpiece that he struck at Calvary, he got a piece off of him. It's just the New Testament, that's all. He fulfilled the Old Testament. Now it's the New Testament. Another piece to be fulfilled. Now see, the, the new and old is husband and wife, see? And it taken the old to foreshadow the new. Christ come, the masterpiece to fulfill that. Now his bride will fulfill everything that's in the New Testament. Another masterpiece in the making. Amen. Oh, I don't feel like a masterpiece. Well, neither do I. But don't worry about what you feel like tonight. The final say, the amen, the, 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 the faithful witness has said, you're going to overcome. You're going to fulfill everything there. So it doesn't matter what you feel like or what the enemy's saying tonight. Trust in the amen God tonight. It's already 820. Help me, Lord. Early in the Ephesian age, Paul, is, he's warning for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled he through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So way back there in the early church, the false vine got to intertwine itself around the true vine. And we find the deeds of the Nicolaitans. And they got the people to obey them until the time came that their way of worship no longer resembled the early days after Pentecost. And so Satan attacks just like he did Eve, and he just changes one little thing here and one little thing there, and he tries to get people to, to move out from behind the protection of the word. It seems so innocent at first, but what it is is an opportunity for the wolves to come in. An opportunity, and, and soon the, the deeds of these people become the doctrines. And before long, the church has lost their first love, and cold, formal worship begins to move into the services. And experience is now traded for head knowledge. And the problem with trading that, other than the fact that it's unscriptural, that's enough of a problem. But the problem with it is when it's based off of head knowledge, you begin to accept things that you wouldn't have originally accepted because there's no leadership of the Holy Ghost in your life. So if somebody can make it sound pretty and make it sound right and sound reasonable, you'll begin to drift in that direction. And so what happens is the church begins to rely on men to provide them with what they need instead of the Holy Spirit. And you've created a hierarchy of Nicolaitanism. Men become leaders instead of the Holy Ghost. And now the divide between the truth and what you are being fed on begins to grow more and more apart. That's why you find so many that hate the moving of the Spirit. Because with the moving of the Spirit, they'll be set free from that spirit of bondage that they're sitting under. So behind the guise of, I want to protect my people, they keep them from meetings where there's the Holy Ghost. Or they keep them from hearing other ministers, and you don't need to listen to this, and you don't need to listen to that. And the whole time, what it is, is unlike Paul, they don't desire to espouse the people to Christ. They desire to espouse those people to themselves. And, and so they build walls and they build kingdoms until it no longer even resembles what God started in the upper room. It no longer resembles the truth that was revealed in this day. You, you go and there, there's, there's no message there. And so once again, back to, to, to the Ephesian age, as this began to happen and they began to be drawn away from the original, just like in the garden, Satan thinks, I made her fall. I got her again. She's falling again. She stepped out from behind the protection of the word. She began to debate. And Satan thinks this one is falling just like Eve. 
But let me remind you, and I'm going to keep reminding you, the amen had already said, I'm going to have a bride. The amen had already said, I'm going to restore. But it looks like she's fallen too, and we've, and we've passed down through the fourth age. And now and it seems so dark, and there isn't anything left, it seems like, from the original tree that was planted there on the day of Pentecost. And yet that tree has been eaten down, and the caterpillar and the locust has eaten it down to nothing. But there's a scripture laying there that says, I will restore. I will restore. Brother Brown says, but what? He was God's perfect prophet tree, the example tree, the bridegroom tree. Amen. Glory. Going to say something directly. If he's the bridegroom tree, do you believe it? From the Garden of Eden, then the bridegroom tree without the female don't bear fruit. So he's got to have a bride tree. She has got to be born of the same material. The word made flesh in the tree. Hope you get it. It's the same life in the female tree, the bridegroom, as it is in the bride. The works that I do shall you do also. Is that right? And he began to restore the broad tree back to where listen we look around all the time and say the world's evil the world's evil the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil has reached its height and brother Branham says we fail all the time to see how powerful the church is getting the world is evil the world is evil but look at the church on this side if that tree has reached its height and it's reached full maturity there must be a people on earth who is reaching the height of their power that is reaching full maturity the broad tree restored once again in this day and luther breaks away from the false line and preaches justification and wesley breaks away preaches sanctification the tree being restored. And yet there's still claims on the tree. Satan still had claims over the church. There were still false baptisms. There were still teachings of false godheads. The tree wasn't exactly producing the fruits that the groom tree had produced. This was not yet bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. Although there were glimpses of it, this was not the ministry of Christ being repeated. So what must this tree produce in this day? What must the final say and the final voice look like in this day? He said there's got to come in this last day a restoration of the church, a bride tree that was eaten down back yonder by canker worms and palmer worms, all kinds of insects that eat all the brotherly love and the fruits away from it. There's got to come a church again whose barriers will be broke and the Holy Ghost will have the right of way among the people. When you do, you'll see the same signs and wonders that happened back there in them days. Amen. Thus, what the church was at Pentecost is the standard. That is the pattern. There is no other pattern. No matter what the scholars say, God has not changed that pattern. What God did at Pentecost, he has to keep on doing until the church ages close. He said there is no other pattern. There is no other pattern. That is what we are to pattern after. So, so go ahead and call me Pentecostal. I will wear that like a badge of honor. Because Brother Branham says that's the pattern. That's who we're supposed to match. Just like the first age, the first church, the upper room. That's what I'm patterning after because that's what we're supposed to pattern after. And so down through the ages there were glimpses, but there had to be more. Then the Azusa Street Revival and a restoration of the gifts. Make no mistake about it, it was a restoration and it was a move of God. Was it the original grain again? No, we know that. We know that. It was, it was the life moving through. But also when we point back to that move and act as if it was nothing and act as if it's unneeded, 
I, I'm a simple person, so I look at it and I tend to believe that if God thought it needed to be restored, then he must have thought we needed it. Otherwise, why restore it? Why were those things put back in the church? Uh, Brother Tim has a saying that he says that he got from somebody. It's not original to him, and he says so, but he says God started the church the way he wanted it, and now he wants the church the way he started it. He started the church the way he wanted it, and now he wants the church the way he started it. And so God decides that it's important that I restore these. He goes through a lot of trouble to restore these. And I feel like that it's very important that we don't just willingly hand over back to the devil something that God thought you needed. Something that God felt needed to be in the church. Something that he thought needs to be restored. And we go, I don't need that anymore. God thought you did. God thought you needed it. He felt like he needed, we needed the supernatural working in the church. So he restores this, and once again, there's fruits of the Spirit and the trees beginning to take shape. But there must come something else, something to turn us. Turn us to what? And we're getting there. Brother Brown says, but what I said was that because of the unchanging God with unchanging ways, we can go back to the beginning and see the first and perfect act of God and then judge by that standard. That is how it's done. The true church will always try to be like the original at Pentecost. The true church of today will try to approximate that early first one. And just like in every other instance, the amen had already spoken. Laying right there in the scripture was Malachi 4 all along. Already ahead of anything that the devil can do. Already laying there. Behold, I send to you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts back to the faith of the fathers. Turned back to something. Turned back to the original. And then that message comes forth in power with a restored word. With a restored position. Who are we tonight, church? You are the restored bride of Jesus Christ. Restored back to where you were supposed to be in the beginning. Restored back with full authority. Restored back with the ability to speak the word and put the word on your lips. You are the restored manifestation of the spoken word of God sitting here in Elton, Virginia tonight. That's something worth shouting about. That's something worth praising the Lord about. That he wasn't going to let the devil win, but he had the final say. He had already spoken. And because of that, here we are, victorious overcomers. He was determined. I will have a bride. And here we are. We're standing on our feet. We're overcoming the enemy. We're not some weakling. We're not some layout of sin. But we're on fire. We love the Lord. We're pressing the battle. We're overcoming. That's who you are. That's who you are. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. What is it? A restored word brought restored power, called forth a restored bride. A restored bride. He says, and now remember, you Christians were his thoughts before there was a world. You are the manifestation of his thinking. And what was it that he did when he was here on earth? He went about tearing down Satan's kingdom. 
He went about overcoming. He showed that the grave didn't have victory. He showed that that sickness didn't have to be feared. And just as the groom did those things when he was walking on the earth, now there is a bride doing those things. There is a bride. Look, you say nothing can stand before Jesus. I say nothing can stand before you. Nothing can stand before you when you walk in faith. Nothing's going to overcome you because not only did he have and he is the final say, you are the final say. He said, you are the final voice to the final age. You get to speak last. You get to say the final words to this age. I say, devil, get out of my way. Devil, you can't hold me here. Devil, you can't have my children. You can't have my family. Why? What gives you the authority to say that? I've been restored back to the original. They weren't afraid of sickness. They said, silver and gold have I none. But what I got... I'm going to give you something tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. I don't got a lot to give you, but I can tell you tonight, you've been restored back to authority, to power, and you can speak the word tonight. You're the final voice. You have the final say. It's in your lips. It's in your life. It's for you to speak tonight. Hallelujah. It's been placed back in you tonight. I'm going to try to start bringing this down. Satan thought that the church was defeated. Once again, I've won false doctrines, false baptisms. But the amen had already spoken. He had a message prepared that, was, that would produce the people in this last day. The message was the final say on all the mysteries. The seals, water baptism, Godhead, no eternal hell, hell, all the loose ends wrapped up. Listen, Luther couldn't have the final say. There were things wrong. Wesley couldn't have the final say. There were still claims on Wesley. Pentecost couldn't have the final say. There was too many claims on them. But in this day, in this day, every claim was stripped away. The seals were torn off. Everything was brought back in order according to the word. The seals, everything, every claim. Brother Brandon would say that every claim he ever had was stripped that day on Calvary. So even if you go back there to the beginning, there was no claim on your life. It was man that had allowed those claims to come back in. It was accepting the doctrines of man and false teachings that put those claims back on the church. But in this day he came. In the evening time it shall be light. I'm so thankful for the evening light today. He came and stripped it all off and he restored you back to where you are on speaking terms. You have authority. You have power. That's where you stand at tonight. It wasn't until this day that the final say could even be spoken. It wasn't until this day that one could say, you are the final voice. That could never have been said before. You. You. I feel like so many of us expect fulfillment. And so we look for fulfillment. But the problem is we're not ready to be the fulfillment. We're looking, oh, it's, when's it going to be fulfilled? When you get up and fulfill it. When you realize it's me that's going to do it. I'm the overcomer of this age. I'm the one the promise was sent to. Behold, I send unto you, Elijah the prophet. It's yours. It's your victory. <laughs> you say, Brother Aaron, seals is open. The word is restored. That's why we don't need all this emotion and stuff. 
Listen, I'm not sure what it is that excites you, but the opening of the word and the fact that it's all been restored is exactly why I'm excited. That's exactly what's bringing the emotion. That's exactly why, that's why David danced. That's why John said, all heaven and earth heard me shouting. That's why he's going to get my praise. It's because the word has been restored. Listen, it's a false accusation when you say, well, that's just Azusa Street Pentecost. You can't lay that claim on us because we're not word rejectors. We're not word rejectors. We've accepted the opening of the word. We see our names on the last book of life. That's why I'm excited. That's why I can praise. That's why I can worship. I saw my name when the word was open. That's me. That's me. I'm going to make it. I can't be stopped. I can't be defeated. The word's open and I'm in there. I saw my name. That's why I'm excited tonight, church. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I realize you are his hands. You are his feet. You are to be his voice. You are to perform the works. Oh, not me, brother Aaron. I've had a couple bad weeks. I messed up. I lost my temper. I said something to my kids. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, there's forgiveness for that one. I <laughs> Guarantee it. Thank you, Lord. Not me. I have, I've just been struggling. I've been having the hardest time. Guys, how many times do you got to hear that this is a fight and that this is a war? You know what happens in fights, Brother Andrew? You ever been in a fight? I'll leave you alone. You know what happens in a fight even if you are the baddest man? You get hit. You get punched. You get wounded. And some people's like, the devil hit me. I must not be a Christian. He hit you because you're in the ring. He hit you because you're fighting for the right. He hit you because you're standing there saying, I ain't going to be moved. He hit you. Quit griping about it and hit back. Swing back. Throw something back. Answer the bell tonight. These are the championship rounds. We're at the very end. It's round number 12, and somebody's still standing. Devil, I'm here once again. I'm here. Maybe I got tired. Maybe I had to go to my corner for a minute, but I heard the bell. Ding, ding, ding. I'm answering the bell. I'm back in it. I'm coming back for more. This is the final push. Finish the fight. Finish the race. It's going home time. It's the championship rounds. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Whew. I'm trying. There is a bride here. There is a spoken word bride. And there's many that's claiming they are that bride. It ain't for me to say whether you are or ain't. But what I can do is look at the vision. I can look at the word. I can see what the bride's supposed to be. And then I might go, hmm. I'm, I'm just saying. I mean, I ain't. I'll tell you something. There ain't no honesty like self-honesty. 
When's the last time you was honest with yourself? When's the last time you dug real deep about those things that's been hindering you? Real deep. You saying I ain't? No, I ain't saying that. I'm saying, bro, I deal with things that when they see them. People with the Holy Ghost, when they get convicted, they don't blame other people. They don't get mad at everybody else for their shortcomings. They're willing to look at themselves and go, I need to deal with this. I need to deal with this. But you get in a lukewarm condition real quick and let something go against you, it's everybody's fault. It's everybody's fault, but yours. I don't know. I'm going to move on. How's the bride going to conduct herself? Make sure we line up with that word. Listen, the vision's already happened. You can't change the vision. You've got to line up to the vision. Vision's already happened. We've got to step in line with that vision. You can't be a part of that group that is the final voice to the final age and not be matching it word for word. You can't be speaking things contrary to the word and be part of that final voice. If it does something different from the groom, Brother Brown would say, it isn't the bride. If your attitude is it's us four and no more, you ain't the final voice. If your attitude is to put others out because they don't agree with you, you're not the final voice. Matter of fact, Brother Brandon would say something pretty harsh. He'd say, now isn't that just like the Nicolaitans we have with us today? They curse everyone that won't go their way. When all you know is condemning others, it just shows that you've never experienced the grace of God for yourself. You don't know what grace is because you've never experienced it. So you want to point at everybody else's shortcomings and failures. Listen, this is a message of grace. That's what this message, this message came crying, grace, grace. And we throwing stones at everybody and try, listen, Noah's message was a message of grace. We get things so twisted, it's a message of judgment. It's this. No, 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 no. It warns you of the judgment that's coming. And so therefore, it's grace. It's saying you don't got to go through that. You don't got to be a part of that. And here's how you avoid it. Get in the ark. Get in the boat. Run to Jesus. The door's open tonight. Get on board. Run to it. You can be saved. Your family can be saved. The door's still open. Get on board. That's the message. That's the message. It's grace to you tonight. It's grace to you tonight. If you're preaching mercy's over, you're not the final voice. If you're preaching division, you're not the final voice. The final voice is getting as many people in the ark as they possibly can. You know, the final voice to the Jewish dispensation was Jesus. And in that moment, the final voice being crucified said, Father, forgive them. You trying to send everybody to hell and say they ain't going to the rapture? You ain't part of the final voice. If your life is speaking judgment upon your brother, pointing out their flaws. You know, some people really, really hate, and I don't understand this, to see the success of others. Have you ever had those conversations? Maybe you hadn't. I know I saw a lot of y'all come in with your halos. Um, but have you ever had those conversations where people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, he's a good brother, but I mean, you know, they just don't really know him like I do. 
And they hate to see somebody be successful and hate to see others admire and, and, and say, man, that's a good brother. That's what, I mean, they're all right, but I mean, we get a minute. I, got, I can tell you some stuff. And nothing, just, yeah, oh, it's nothing bad, just a few things. You want to tear down other people's reputation and crucify them? You are not the final voice. You're not. But if your life is crying, Lord, forgive them. Bring them in, Jesus. Save them, Jesus. Lord, I love that brother. I want to see him saved. I want to see him filled with the Holy Ghost. And Lord, if it's not him, peradventure it's me. Lord, save me. Lord, help me. Help me be honest with myself. So much here. I'm running out of time. The final voice. The voice of the groom expressed through the bride. He says, this stump's growed from Wesley, from Luther to Wesley to Pentecost, and now is honing out those Pentecostals and those that got the baptism of the Holy Ghost and shall come someday the headstone, Jesus Christ, in these last days. And we'll have to have a ministry just exactly like his. His whole spirit as it gets closer, 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 closer. The negative becomes so positive that after a while the negative and the positive blends together. Church and Christ to make one. For we're flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone. Amen. Do you believe it? It shall be light in the evening time. We're here today. He said, I've been to the pyramids in Egypt. And them stones are laid in there so perfect you can take razor blade and hardly go between them. They fit perfectly how they built it. They don't know how and the sphinx and so forth. But look, right here where that headstone's supposed to fit, it's honed. If they ever could find the headstone, it would fit so perfectly snug, it would bind the whole thing together. That's the bride of Jesus Christ. When the headstone comes, there'll be a church here on earth to receive it. It'll have a ministry just exactly like his. It'll just go right up in there bringing up the feet, Luther, and all the rest of them for the resurrection. Someone is going to play this part. It's already been seen. Somebody's going to line up to it. It's already been spoken. You know, it's only drama at this point. You thought I forgot. Now, here goes my daughter's story. She said, you can tell that stupid story about me tonight. Yep. <laughs> you know, Moses was told, you're going to come back and worship on this mountain. He wasn't told everything that was going to happen in between. He was told, I'm going to take you out. I'm going to take you in. You know, you could have mentioned the Red Sea and the snakes biting people. And the No, didn't need to. Didn't need to. I'm going to bring you out. I'm going to take you in. Those of you that's been called out of the world and called out of sin and born again, that wasn't the whole message. The message is I'm going to call you out, but I'm going to take you in. There might be a lot of stuff in between here and there, but none of it matters because I know how it ends. My daughter gets a book, and the first thing she does, it irritates me, is she turns it to the last chapter and reads it. Baby girl, that ruins it. What are you doing? She said, no, I don't ruin it. She said, now I can enjoy the book because I already know how it's going to end. The rest of it's all just drama. It don't even matter. The rest of it don't matter. Church, we had a prophet come rip the seals off and he read you the back of the book and he says, this is how it ends. This is how it ends. I saw one group going down, but I saw another group going up. That's the back of the book. The rest of this is just drama. It don't matter. We know how the story 
fulfill the bride coming back in preview again. I'm looking at it. Here she is, standing on her feet, a clean people, a washed people, a holy people, a powerful people. Onward, Christian soldier. Onward, Christian soldier. The final voice, the final say in the final voice tonight. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can have what you need. Speak it tonight. Whatever's been holding you back, quit being on defense. Go on offense tonight. Go after it. Go after your joy. Go after your, your, your peace. Go after the restoration of your home. Go after mama. Go after daddy. Go after your children. You can have it tonight. The power's in your lips. Just cry out to him. Speak what you have need of. Oh, he came tonight. He came tonight to let you know who you are and that he has the final say. The enemy doesn't have the final say. Amen, the musicians can come. The enemy don't have the final say in your life. He's already seen it, he's already spoken. You're the final voice. You have the final say. You're gonna call the resurrection. I, didn't even, I wasn't even able to get into it tonight. But Brother Branham deals with it in, in the rising of the sun. He says it was the resurrection that proved everything Jesus had claimed. It was the dynamic power of the resurrection that proved he was the Messiah. And now there's thousands of people on earth and they're calling for that dynamic power. They're calling, Lord, let it be fulfilled in me. Lord, move in my church. Lord, I believe we're like the original. Lord, I see it in your word. Lord, move in that dynamic power. And he's calling and he's drawing and you're calling and you're drawing in the dynamic power of that call of the bride is going to bring the dead in Christ out of ground. That dynamic power comes down. It's going to pull them out. I tell you what, what's going to prove that everything we said is the truth? The resurrection proved he was the Lord Jesus. Let them say what they want. Let them roll stones in front of us. But one of these days, rapture day will prove once again we are who he said we are the dynamic power in the bride is going to change your mortal body and it's going to take you home in the moment in a twinkling of an eye i say call for it i say call for it i say let the dynamic power of the holy spirit call for it in your life tonight granted lord jesus how we love you father how we appreciate you lord in your word lord i just pray that you let it find its resting place now father Lord, may we recognize tonight that you're in control. Lord, you've got your hand on a people, a people ordained to speak, a people ordained to stand, a people that is bone of your bone, flesh of your flesh, power of your power. They know what you want done with this word. And it's to fulfill all of the New Testament, to cross over into fulfillment, to be ones that'll stand, to be ones that'll answer the bell in this last day. Grant it, Father. Lord, just as the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit proved who you were, may the dynamic power of God move through this place tonight once again, showing who, Lord, we are according to your word. Lord, not just correcting doctrines, although we believe we have that, but the dynamics of the Holy Ghost working in our midst. Lord, because we are just like you. We love you, Father. We thank you for your word tonight in Jesus' name.
Hallelujah. Oh, touching Jesus is all that really matters. Oh, then your life, it will never be the same. There is only Sound of your great name. 
feel Jesus in the room. I feel Jesus in the room. I feel Jesus in the room today. Because of who you are, I 
Can't go back, oh, to 
say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for his mighty acts amongst us. Amen. Amen. Isn't he good to us? Let's sing that song. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for your God. Lord, we thank you. 